Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Michiel de Ruyter, who has been a co-founder, a CEO, and now has decided to be a board member of various companies and have fun contributing back to other leaders. So welcome to the show, Michiel. Thank you so much, Birgit. And an excellent pronunciation, by the way, for my name. <laughs> Thank you. It helps when you learn another language early in life. Exactly. <laughs> so, Michiel, you know, you started your career working with McKinsey and Company, and I know several people who've worked there, and it's uh, got quite a reputation as a as helping companies turn around and get it to the next level. But most people don't make it there past two years. You were there over seven years before you That's decided right. to venture out, and you have a yeah. lot of experience with mergers and acquisitions. So tell us a little bit about what were some of the reasons you've succeeded as a CEO and now as a board member? Yeah, well, the start with McKinsey obviously was a great start. And you have several types of McKinsey consultants. I guess I'm more the practical type. I didn't see myself being with McKinsey for 20 or 30 years, as some of the uh, consultants do. And indeed, Birgit, it's a really a strong up or out situation. So nevertheless, I, I spent seven years there, gained a lot of experience on, on how to operate on, on a board level, which obviously helps when you become a CEO later on. Yeah. And when you left them, I know you've worked for obviously different companies and taking them to the next level. And one of them was a company that had bakery ingredient companies in 30 different countries that you had right. to figure out how to integrate and have working as one. And yeah. it's really it was a family owned or is a family owned business, which is not easy in and of itself. So what were the one or two things you did to integrate all these separate companies in separate countries functioning well, as one? Yes. In all honesty, Birgit, it was not easy. It was it was kind of a struggle and I, I learned a lot from, from the process. So here we have a hundred year old family company in bakery ingredients. The company grew through mergers and acquisitions, but also through autonomous growth. Uh, joint ventures, which were most of the time 50-50 JVs. So you rely a lot on personal relation. And obviously, when the family exits the company, in my situation, the family was more on the ownership side and not so much in the company anymore, which really helps uh, if the company is growing bigger and bigger. But bread and pastry, uh, as you can imagine, is very different on a country per country side. I mean, Italian Panettone cannot be compared to a good old Dutch uh, white bread and an American bun for that matter. So uh, these people, the company when I joined, all had the idea they were very special, not to be compared to any other country. And obviously there are so many synergies, but these synergies were all uncaptured because of the decentral situation. So we had to make them aware that there was uh, also what we call unrewarded complexity. So there is rewarded complexity, you know, the, the, the customer customer is paying for that complexity. Uh, and the entrepreneurship, obviously, on the local uh, level is very important. But um, there is also a group synergy that you can reach. And uh, it was quite a journey to convince the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine it's probably like getting five MBAs. Absolutely. Well, one of the secrets, I think, was to involve them. I mean, we basically uh, got an agreement on the strategy. Everybody agreed, but because obviously it's not touching them uh, in person in the countries. But we really had to change the operating model and the organization. And, and what really helped is to get a, a good consultant in. We had PWC Strategy and the, the old Booz Allen people. 
And they really did a fantastic job in organizing workshops where all the 30 MDs of the countries were participating and they could give their input in what they wanted to have organized centrally, what needed to remain decentral. Uh, it costs a lot of time and effort in the beginning, but you all gain it back in the implementation. I think that was crucial. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is it's critical to involve all the, and you call them MDs in, in America, they may think that's doctors, but it's managing directors okay. managing of the different, yeah. yeah. And so you involved everybody and you outsourced through consultants. So you also had to know who to hire. So now I'm going to switch to another one. I also know you co-founded another company and took it from you know almost zero to 140 million euros. So that one, I definitely, you were able to you know hire all these consultants how did you take it from zero to 140 million yes well that was funny enough that was a lot easier to be honest that was a bit earlier in my career i did manage a baby food company and i really knew how to make it grow fast the specific situation in infant formula obviously is that you have new consumers every year so if you find the right partner in all of the countries that you want to operate in uh, and you call on the doctors and the doctors prescribe in, in not all the countries doctors are prescribing, but in the countries which we targeted, they did. Then you can quite quickly grow with a modest investment. So that's mm. exactly what we did. We, we found the right partners. We had infant formula, high quality produced in Switzerland. This was this company was in Switzerland. And before you know it, uh, in eight or nine years, we reached the 140 million euro turnover bracket. So that was actually uh, all done through clever partnership and having a compelling proposition for those companies. Very good. So it sounds like you've been extremely successful pretty much in, in every place you've gone. Was there ever a leadership blind spot that you discovered? And if so, how <laughs> and which one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, to be honest, in, in my last endeavor I uh, for the bakery ingredients company, I really struggled to not which direction to go. We got that in, in a matter of months, but how to get there uh, obviously, we had a large management team with about 12 people. And um, in hindsight, my main struggle was that I tried, and this is, a, I think, a very common uh, mistake that most CEOs make, to do and to implement within the existing operating model with the existing people. And what really yeah. helped is to change the operating model, change the governance structure, and eventually, we had to change out a lot of people as well. And if there's anything, and it's really an open door because you hear it so often, uh, too much patience with existing people. That's mm -hmm. really uh, the case. But also uh, not thinking enough about how should we change the organization in order to implement the new strategy. Because that's just as important as formulating a new strategy. We had an implementation plan that was all done, even with, with other consultants. And we had the priority right. We had everything right. But I did not see, that was really my blind spot, that we had to change the operating model. And when I got a new CFO on board, who was quite experienced coming from the beer industry, he helped tremendously in, in also filling in that, that blind spot. And eventually we got the whole transition uh, implemented um, when we changed out not only the team, but also the composition and the, the way of modeling uh, the team. 
Yes, clients when they go what they call from 1.0 to 2.0 and including with succession planning, that that seems to be a big challenge. You know, you care about the people who got you to a certain place, but not everybody can adjust to the next level. So uh, what was the moment? What was the aha moment? Was it when the CFO started that you became clear about the importance of finding different people or what was your aha moment of going, I need to do something different? The aha moment gradually built because I was doing everything mm. to, to, to make it work. So I, I, I changed the frequency of the meetings. I changed the composition of who should attend the meetings. I, I changed the way I conducted the meetings and it still didn't work. And then indeed, I think it was a combination of a, a new CFO coming on board and uh, the decision to hire these consultants that really helped us and, and having the discussions with the consultants also, they say, listen, you should really involve the people. And it sounds really as an open door, but I didn't see it. You should involve the people in modeling the new organization. Uh, mm-hmm. And it requires a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge on how to do that because you have to go through all the processes. You, know, you have to go through the innovation, supply chain, uh, as an OP, uh, and it's really something I could never have done. And, you know, I considered doing it before, but I was really reluctant spending so much money because it was really expensive, but it was all worth it. I mean, that's really, mm-hmm. I found it out, you know, after, after obviously this whole thing got, uh, got implemented. But yeah, it yes. was a combination. And I think what I want to say as well for all the family companies where, you know, sometimes the family is in the operating team, sometimes they are out. Yes. I think it's extremely important to align with the family as, as a shareholder. I was, for instance, being told by the family that I couldn't really fire loyal people that have been with the company for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if you have that restriction, then obviously, and the family wants you to, to transition the company, then it gets extremely difficult. And I could have addressed that issue a little bit more upfront. We did in the end, and then we really got alignment from the family to go ahead. And that was really well invested, but that took a lot of time. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I'm hearing that, uh, you know, sometimes it's uh, it's outside people who help you see your blind spot. And sometimes it's the pain and the time it takes <laughs> that you exactly. go, I yeah. have to do something different. Correct. The rough <laughs> yeah. experience. Yes. Yeah, well, well, I can see why people would want you as a board member advisor now because you've been through so much. So I made all the mistakes and I saw <laughs> all the mistakes. Yes. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up the show, are yeah. there any tips you have for new leaders or, or company leaders trying to take it to the next level? Yes, I think what is important when I started, I thought I'm going to do this on content. You know, I'm just going to figure out where to go, what to do. And then every everybody will follow automatically. Um, what obviously that's not the case. So now I would focus more on behavior, um, and it sounds maybe very uh, soft, but it has to do with culture. So an appreciation of the culture, and really, you know, the saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I mean, that's really true. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's really true, and and mm-hmm. I would really pay more attention now. In, in focusing on behavior, telling people how to change their behavior, why to change their behavior. And I think what I did from the beginning as a leader, because everybody is watching you, is walk the talk. So you have to really 
give the good example uh, on mm. the changes in behavior you, you would like to see from the people around you. So those things are very important. Wow. What a great way to wrap up the show with walk the talk and culture eat strategy for breakfast. Yes, you (laughs) know that one, right? Yes, but just like you, a lot of uh, CEOs, they know that they've heard it, but they don't believe it until they experience it. So It's really true, Greg. It's really true. (laughs) Yes. So thank you so much for being willing to share those insights and being open about it because it's uh, mentorship is, is tough to come by these days with the remote environments. So I really appreciate you agreeing to come on the show and share your experience. Thank you so much. I'm happy to do and thanks for doing this, Birgit.